We are live. We are here. We are Father, Son, Galaxy. Thank you so much, everyone. We hope you're having a very good holiday. Yes, we are live. We are live on YouTube and on Instagram. Thank you if you're joining us right now and watching us and listening to us. Wonderful to have you. Okay. All right. All right. So look, hey, Marvel gave us a holiday present, right? So we got. They, we asked. They delivered. Right. They just they, like Santa. And this was very timely. You know what? We'll talk about uh, the first five episodes. Of what if? One of them is a Christmas-themed episode. So yeah, we're not going to talk about the sixth one yet. We haven't seen it, and we're going to watch it after. This. Yes, exactly right. So we had episode six drop today as we're streaming, um, but we didn't have time to watch it, so we'll cover it uh, when we do six through nine on Sunday. So by the way, we're we're live right now. Our next live stream is going to be on New Year's Eve. All right, December thirty-first. So we'll talk about that. We're later. maniacs. Yeah. No, 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 no. That's how we're going to celebrate the new year. So can't wait for that. All right. We're going to talk about the first five episodes of Marvel's What If, all right? Starting off with episode one called What If Nebula Joined the Nova Corps, written by Matthew Chauncey, directed by Stephen Frank, featuring the voices of Karen Gillan, Taika Waititi, and Seth Green. All right. So let's set this up. So it takes place in on the planet Xandar. Now, the artwork is beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Xandar, over the power stone. Mm -hmm. You can't see it. It's a little Lego. Right. Uh, okay. So, just a little history behind that. We first saw it in the first Guardians movie. It got decimated by Thanos off screen so that he could uh, obtain the power stone. How about that? Okay. All right. And the look, I was talking about the artwork. It looks incredible. Blade it, Runner. Yes, exactly. You know, it looks like Blade Runner. Even though you haven't seen that movie yet, but one day you but it's gorgeous, you know, with the rain and the flying cars overhead. Sound effects look wonderful. All right. So the so the idea of this story is if we're going back going back to what happened in Guardians of the Galaxy. So we had Ronan the accuser who was looking to And they, along with the help of the Mar uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy, were able to defeat Ronan. Um, and, or rather push him back. Right, push him back and rather save the planet. Here in this episode, it's crossed off that way. But what they're doing is the Nova Corps was able to create some type of shield that they yeah. can cover the planet with. You know, they open the shield or close the shield and it wraps around the planet. Invasions or like that can get through. Um, but the plot of this story is somehow someone is trying to get access to the code to open the shield. And that's what Nebula is trying to find out because she works. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, Thanos. Bye bye. And he takes Gamora with him. So he joins the Nova Corps and takes Zeus to see the light. Light never strengthens its path. Yeah, right. She is the one that is it's kind of like a story. You know, she's the one who is on the hunt for 
this person who's trying to get the access to those. And it turns out that the person who's trying to, uh, the, the person who is working alongside Ronan is Nova Prime herself. Yeah, she yeah. got corrupted. Ronan said she could keep her, um, she said she could keep her power. And she basically sets up Nebula this whole time. Yeah. Nebula has to go break out this dude named Yonrog, who we saw in Captain Marvel. Right. That's but he's right. evil. And he takes he takes Nebula of advantage. He plugs some data in her head thingy and then fries her chips. And then she gets yeah. with cow prods by a bunch of Nova Prime officers. Yeah. Or Nova Core officers. Yeah, she, and then she jumps off a waterfall. Yes, she did a lot. You know, Just she and, and survived. New yeah, it's, it's you know, Nebula is is tough, but I, I guess you know because of her uh, her personality and you know who she is, um, you know how she handles herself, carries herself. She's a very serious person. She's committed to the cause, whatever that cause might be. She is a member of the Nova Corps, and she wants to make sure that she withheld or uphold, um, you know. The, the legacy of the Nova Corps and to follow the rules, right? And she was shocked as everyone else that, you know, uh, uh, Nova Prime was the one who wanted to yeah. take over the planet for herself now, which is interesting. So what she's doing is treason, you know, so she is betraying her own planet, right? So that she can maybe create more power for herself. I don't know. But it happens, right? You know, when people get in a position and all they want is power, they're not concerned about who gets hurt, you know, as they gain this power, you mm-hmm. know? So, Nebula picks herself up, literally, and runs back to uh, Howard's, uh, I get it. Howard the Duck. Yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about oh, Howard the yeah, Duck. Yeah, the, uh, the duck with the <laughs> with the classic purple suit and the yes. stripes. Yes. It's just indicative of a shady character. Right, right. So she runs back to him and she's like, Howard, you got to help me, man. Nova Prime. She's crazy. And Howard's like, no. And then he says, She's going to take your liquor license. And Howard's like, Yeah, I'll help. No problem. Right. So, so we get Korg in there. Yeah, exactly. And he, they actually play rock. And Korg references this in episode four. He's like, you know, they used me as a paperweight. Like, to my nemesis. I got the joke a little bit later. Anyway, rock paper scissors. <laughs> rock paper scissors, right? Uh, and you know, we uh, forgot to mention that Young Rog is voiced by Jude Law, right, who played the character in Captain Marvel. That's yeah. correct. All right, let's talk about Howard the Duck. All right, uh, so Howard. I. I'm aware of who Howard the Duck is. You know, if you're a fan of Howard the Duck and you know about his backstory, let us know in the comment section. But um, he's not, I would consider, a main character. He's not very popular, but he has a whole following. He started off in 1973. He was created by um, writer Steve Gerber and artist Al Myrick. But outside of the comic books and the movie that Lucasfilm created back in the 80s, which wasn't a, a, a big hit, I know very little about Howard the Duck. There was a movie, yes, right. It was, it was, it was, um, it didn't very well at all. It was, it was unsuccessful, right. Um, and 
it's just hard to it's hard to understand well, why does this character exist? You know, I, I'm trying to say it nicely, but one, why was this character in this episode? Especially since most people don't know who Howard the Duck is. I think well, he's it should have been Guardians. Howard the Duck was in the Guardians. Which one? Uh, three. Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, and he was in uh, the Collector's Collection. I think both the Guardians one and one. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. I think he did a game. That game too. I don't remember him in any game. Okay, I don't. Okay, all right. So never mind. Look, hey, he apparently he's he's a fan. He's got a cool following. I wish they would have given us more. Well, do you think you have an? Do you have an idea of maybe why he was in this episode? Why did he need to be in this episode? For funsies. funsies. I think it's because they needed some Zandarian characters who would plausibly be on that planet without using Guardians. Because you've already explored their story. Like, most of the actors don't want to reprise the roles. No, I I understand that. Right. Okay. Um, All right. So we got Howard, we got Corey. Okay. All right. Well, look, I'm not trying to put down the duck, but, you know, I just don't know much about it. All right, we can go to Q&A. If we have Q&A ready, post your comments. Let us know what you think. If you've seen the episodes, I keep forgetting to mention that what we do are spoiler reviews. So if I think you have not seen the first five episodes, okay. If well, you haven't seen the first five episodes, oh, well. Yeah, I, I hope you don't mind. Uh, but, you know, feel free to watch it and come back. All right. If we have Q&A, we can keep going. Howard appeared with an assault rifle through the portals. I don't think his PK rolling appeared during a few seconds. Okay. You know what? Everybody came out of the portal in that game. I guess they got I see. Okay. Eric, thank you so much. Uh, if you follow me, you'll get that notification of the vid dropping within a week. Okay. All right. Yeah, Alex. Howard okay. the Duck's cool. I don't know much about him, but I remember he had a crossover comic with Squirrel Girl. It's cool to see able to pick a role after the end game. Okay. Awesome. All right. Okay, thank you so much. All right. I wonder if they'll bring Squirrel Girl to the MCU so she can have her the duck and have that crossover in the MCU. Okay. And Angel Saunders is here. Hello, Angel. Thank you for joining us. All right. Wonderful. All right. So anything else you want to say about episode number two? No. No, episode number one. No. Okay. Okay, let's move on to episode number two. My favorite. You want to take this one? All right, then. So, we have plenty of voices. Michael Douglas, Haley Atwell, Kurt Russell, Lawrence Fishburne, John Slattery, Chris Hemsworth, Sebastian Stan, a real all-star cast. Okay, so, and as what if? I was about to say oh, that. Now. Okay, all right. You, you, okay. Yeah. It's so, yeah, no, I just, I just want to riddle the actors. Mm-hmm. Okay. What if Peter Quill attacked the Spider-Man's Heroes, written by Matthew Chauncey, directed by Brian Andrews? All right. So, this is a young Peter Quill who returns to Earth to destroy it. So, it's when Yondu picked up Peter Quill, the reason why he became a good guy is because Yondu decided to adopt him, but he never had that change of heart and delivered it to Ego. So, Ego crushed his Walkman and turned him into a mass weapon. A, a, we- a weapon of mass destruction? Oh. Uh, um, a mental organism designed only for killing. Got it. Okay. Modoc. Get it? Yes. Yes. Oh, the script is three pages. <laughs> <laughs> you don't find. So, 
he crash lands out of a pod in Manhattan in the 19. This reminds me of the pod we saw in Guardians 2 where uh, he goes slept, which is funny. He needed he needed help going to sleep. That's like actually reminded me. So, Earth's Mightiest Heroes assemble to try to take down Peter Quill. We have Hank Pym, Howard Stark, Bill Foster, Peggy Carter, King Kachaka, the Winter Soldier, who's being controlled by Russia, Dr. Wendy Lawson, who's Marvel, and is also a Kree disguised as a human scientist. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. Hope Man died. Yes. Okay. So, this is a, you know, one of the things I enjoy when I watch What If is seeing who the voice actors are going to be. And you read off these names, and there are A-list actors. It's just amazing uh, getting all these people together. But yes, so yeah, they were all bringing down this one little boy. Um, they also mentioned about Project Pegasus, which was founded by Stark, Howard Stark, S.H.I.E.L.D. and NASA Air Force, with the task of studying and harnessing the Tesseract energy. All right. Okay. And Thor shows up out of the blue. So Thor comes out and he's like, that wiped out all of Asgard. He will be Asgardian justice, just like in episode three of the last season. He came down to at the hands of Hank Pym. Right. No less. Okay. And um, this was a very good episode. Yeah. This was a good episode. Um, I like the cast. Um, I thought it was very funny. I thought Michael Douglas, actually, he had a big role, you know, as uh, a young Hank Pym, you know, mm-hmm. you know, using his uh, superpowers, his Ant-Man powers, and he actually was able to talk to Peter, you know, um, you know, just seriously just talk to him and, and explain what's going on. And then you have the Winter Soldier who works for Russia, you know, has that little boy in his crosshairs, you know, you know, ready to take but, him down. you know, Howard Stark, man, talk him down. Yeah. A lot of talking. Yes, uh, exactly. Yeah. So, I ask you a question. Can I have that iPad? That's on Okay. All right. So let's let's pass that along. Yeah. Bruh. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Uh, so anything else we want to cover about? Nah. Okay. All right. So then, let's go on to episode three. This is called What If Happy Hogan Saved Christmas, written by A.C. Bradley and Matthew Chauncey, directed by Brian Andrews, featuring the voices of John Favreau, Kat Dennings, Colby Smolders, Sam Rockwell, Mark Ruffalo, Jeremy Renner, and Lake Bell. Now, Keith, I know that you have Die Hard, right? Well... You, okay. No, you've I seen, seen this, you've seen bits and pieces of it. Maybe, I was making but, a joke. Yeah, I haven't even seen. It. This was all die hard, right? This was an absolute fun episode to watch. You know, if you have not seen Die Hard, I'm way, but it has to do with um, a New York City police officer played by Willis, who comes to L.A. to visit his wife. She is uh, working for a Japanese corporation, so oh she invites him to party so they're in the skyscraper and lo and behold they're a terrorist oh, boy. take over the plaza and you know you take it from there and and John McClane is trying to save the day you know and John McClane is is being in this in this case is being played by Happy Hogan 
Um, John Favreau, he did a really good job with the voice acting. Um, it, it was it was pretty funny. Uh, I, yeah, you know the only weird thing. Yeah, that I could drive to have a blood god. Well, like, yeah, that syringe pushed itself down. It did on its own, right? You know. Yeah, and, like what yeah. was that? The watcher using his mystical hand? Like that's not a syringe. Right. It was funny to see him transform, but yeah, it was just unbelievable how that needle just and more importantly, the way it flipped right into his leg, right into his knee, and it actually just injected the serum into his bloodstream. You know, it would be different if it against the tape. Yeah, it was really nice. It was, it was really cool. They made some references to Die Hard with some of the, the actors. They mentioned Reginald Mel Johnson, uh, Darcy playing the role of the LAPD officer who was trying to help John McClane with the terrorists. So um, it was very cool. It, and it's interesting that, you know, Well, right. It is a Christmas movie, but to me, the underlying theme, you know, for holiday movies usually is about being with loved ones, family. Yes, being sounds with your like family. something right. Fast and Furious would yeah. say. But like, granted, you know, we're gonna band together and use the power of family to win the day. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, so but granted, yes, part of. My heart was about John McClane reconciling with his estranged wife. Um, they were separated for a little bit of time, and now that she's in danger, he wants to, of course, save her life. And um, yeah, so there is that family connection there, and there's Christmas music that throughout. So to me, that makes it a Christmas movie. I, don't I was know. wondering what Die Hard was in the Roku selections next yeah. to Home Alone, yeah. like. So let me know what you think. You know, if you uh, out there, if you're listening and watching, is that hard a holiday film or not? All right, let's go to Q and A. Let's see who we have. Who do we have? All right, Alex. Okay. Since what if Happy Hogan's Hate Christmas is a holiday episode, does that mean Die Hard is a Christmas film? Yeah, that's that's the question that we're asking. I don't know. I, I, I just, by the way, I find it peculiar that they would release the Christmas episode. On the twenty fourth, because the episode yeah, we got on the twenty fifth was what if what if Iron Man crashed into the Grandmaster? So well, why didn't they release that on the twenty fourth? I okay, I hear what you're saying. Why didn't they release it on Christmas Day? I don't know. Yeah, that was interesting. Yeah, interesting know. choice there. Yes. Okay, you're only one day off. It's not so bad. Yeah, but yeah, I that's the question we're asking. You know, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? But no. It, it was it was a very good episode. It was very funny, well acted. Um, the animation is just. It, Wait, are all the diamonds? I were four of them. I don't remember. I don't remember all four films. So I can't tell you. I, I know the first. You remember all four John Wick? Films? I did not see the John Wick films, so I cannot. Tell you. I have not seen any of the John Wick films. Okay, all right, and neither of you. Okay, but like that's different. 
Okay, all right, but you know, once you have you, the option to watch. Them. I do, but I this John Wick was not someone that interests me. Okay, but that's okay. We're not talking about John Wick. We're talking about Marvel. All right, let's go. Okay, all right. So here we go. All right, so let's move on. So anything else about episode three? Uh, not that I can think of. Not okay. All right, let's move on to episode four. You got episode four. You want to talk about that? I one? got it. Yep, Dad. So, episode four, which is my second favorite, it's competing, um, literally competing. What if Iron Man, Preston the Grandmaster, written by A.C. Bradley and directed by Brian Andrews? So, it features the voices of Nick Winger, Jeff Goldblum, Tessa Thompson, Taika Waititi, and Josh Marolin. All right. Let's get into this one. I actually enjoyed this episode as well. This was fantastic. All right. Um, well, it starts off with Iron Man. By the way, you know, Mick Winger, you know, a household name. Should be. Yeah, well, I guess so. It's good. You know, they didn't have Robert Downey Jr. for the voice. I guess know. he wasn't in the budget. Well, maybe not. But this actor is not bad. He's pretty good. I mean, especially when he gives us the one line. Yeah, like, not he you stabbing like me. A this Tony is a one-man team. Yeah. yeah. I got it, Mount Rushmore. Yeah. Uh, right, right. <laughs> yeah. You know, you can't call me what the Ojo Metal Mojo Man. Mr. Metal Mojo. Yeah, right. Don't call me that. You know, he's you know, he's he's pretty good. I he did the voices for last Tony season. in last season. Okay. So Tony uh, Stark, Iron Man was planning to get back to Earth to see Pepper Potts, you know, the relationship they have. But he takes a turn and he ends up on yeah, so you remember uh, in the Avengers when Tony pushed that nuke up into space where the Chitauri army was and then fell down to the ground? Yeah. Well, this time the wormhole closes and he doesn't get there. So he's getting bashed around like Thor and Loki when they fell out of the bifrost. And uh, let's just say he ends up seeing the Grandmaster. Yes. And he gets chipped and thrown in a cell with Gamora. Oh, it makes him powerful. It's just a reactor. And he challenges the Grandmaster to a race for the planet. Yeah. Which is very interesting because the story is actually Gamora's story. But as no, Watcher put it, it's Tony Stark's story. Right. It's a story within a story, pretty much. Like her story begins with Tony Stark. I don't know why they didn't pick Tony Stark for the uh, Guardians of the Multiverse. He was actually way more heroic than Gamora was. I mean, Gamora was trying to ready to kill people. Tony Stark tried not to and actually was willing to save the whole planet. Gamora still wanted to kill him even when he did that. That's why he didn't take the chip off her before the race. Why would the Watcher pick Gamora? He could have picked both of them. That would have made way more sense. I don't know. They were already a great team. Why not just establish both of them as Guardians of the Multiverse? All right. Well, Mike. You know, they brought the best of Thor Ragnarok. You know, Jeff Goldblum's character, the minister, is, is a hoot. Uh, <laughs> he could be a little annoying. <laughs> but, you know, we, you know. I like him. Yeah, part of what made Ragnarok such a great movie, such a great film, is because of his performance. I thought he did a very, very good job. And the actress who plays Topaz, very deadpan, but very funny. You know, very yeah. You're a great murderess. Yes, right. And then this interesting, mm-hmm. interesting conversation that 
McMaster is having about the race. You know, Mooney refers to it as the intergalactic NASCAR. Grandmaster refers to it as a chariot race, which is a little bit of both, right? So when you're watching the race itself or you're the couple of races, you're thinking the chariot race, as far as Ben Hur, Ben Hur is a movie that came out in the 50s, but it, you know, it has to do with the Roman times, but it's still very popular to this day. You, you know, like Gladiator, films like Gladiator, um, or um, you know, any other Roman, you know, I think they had a TV series called Rome. You always have this big chariot race, right? So that reminds me of that. <laughs> and it also reminds me of the Mad Max films. You know, where yeah, you know, there's this, a lot of yeah, exactly. Things. So it was pretty nice. And how about that? We got this Transformers moment where Tony takes his uh, the pieces of his armor and turns it into a vehicle. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Yeah. yeah. So he wins the race, and the Grandmaster's like, "Well, I declare this a tie because I'm the Grandmaster. Yeah, was, I get to pick the winner." It and was I not a tie. Me. The grass says, Ooh, Tony Stark says, No, I want fair and square. Grandmaster says, Two pass. And she runs forward, but then Valkyrie jumps out and rams her car. She goes off course, and the melting stick flies over and hits the Grandmaster. And you just begin, just I'm out Ooh, this is pretty good. Yeah, right. I'm melting. He, he enjoyed it for whatever reason. As opposed to privacy, where he's like, "Hey, dope ass, uh, could, could you get a, could you get a bucket and a mop? I think I might need a mop at this point." That that line, "I'm melting." Have you heard that before? The Wizard of Oz. Exactly, the Wizard of Oz. Right. Yeah. I'm melting. Yeah. yeah. Melting. <laughs> so it was nice. I, you know, I like when you know modern day live action series or animated series reference something from the past. Um, like Mad Max. Reminds me of Pod Race. Like the Bulba had all those. Yeah, it does. Right. It also reminds you of the Pod Race. Phantom Menace. Yeah, same thing, which is reminiscent of the Chariot Race. So it's all connected, ah. you know? So, yeah, that it, it started somewhere. So, okay. All right. Pretty good. And how about the dip, you know, where the you saw the doors open up and the cars are racing? And then all of a sudden, it's like a roller coaster ride. They're at the very top and they take that. Dip for like Touch Wonderland. Yeah, yeah. Do not watch it in VR. I mean, that was just (laughs) insane. But that was that was pretty cool though. But yeah, Yeah. and then let's talk. He was like, "Well, slap me and call me Spartacus. That is a cherry." Yes, exactly. So let's talk about what happened at the end with Thanos. Oh yeah, so Tony and Thanos, Tony and Gamora, team up. Right. Or did she? We don't know for sure. Yes, we do. You think she did take out them? Yeah, because her and Tony survived and we saw them melting the infinity stones when they were gone. Okay, now when she jumped and grabbed for the stick and took it and stuck it in Thanos' chest, it didn't look like it hurt him at all. I mean, he kind of well, like, he had, like he had a lot of armor on. Well, right. So, how do we know that she succeeded in taking him out? Because she got the Infinity Stones and was melting them. She even made a stone. She melted the gauntlet. She made a stone crusher. 
I highly doubt that Thanos would allow that to happen while he was alive, especially now with Gamora being his daughter. And plus, know. they were both alive. If she had failed, Thanos would have surely killed them both. Okay. Well, right. But we don't know the outcome exactly because we just see it cuts away as she takes it and shoves it into his chest. Okay. We don't know. You might be right. I might be right. Maybe neither one of us is right. I don't know. I feel, you, like, you feel we're that... both, I feel like we're both right. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, I don't I, I don't know either way whether he survived it or not, but I guess that's why they want to leave. You know, I highly doubt that he did, honestly. Okay. I, I, I am with you on that. You know right. what? <laughs> they should make a what if, like, what if Thor went to the head? What if Thor went to the head? How about that? That would be a good what if. Right. So there would be no snap. Right? Well, there wouldn't be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think then, Wanda might have to be the next big bad. Okay. All right. Let's let's table that. She got... wouldn't get a chance to get revenge. I feel like that kind of kept her sane mm-hmm. for a little bit. Okay. All right. Okay. We good? Oh, uh, Alex, I see you in the chat referencing Schrodinger's Shr- cat. Okay. You know the dude from uh the dude from uh the peanuts? Schroeder's yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm kidding. It's different than Schrodinger. Okay. Tell me what that is. It's a study with this cat. He put this cat in a box and basically observed that if nobody's, it's like it's like the age old thing, you know, if a tree falls in the woods and no one's there, to, the tree really didn't make a sound. Right. Yeah. Didn't even make a sound. Right. Okay. Okay. That kind of thing. Got it. Okay. All right. You want to talk about anything else regarding episode four? Okay, all right. All right, now moving on to the last episode that we're going to talk about tonight is you got this one. Patrick Carter, Father Hydra Shop. Yes. So this episode just kind of reminds me of a retelling of The Winter Soldier. So here's what happened mm-hmm. basically, Captain Carter is fighting off the Hydra Stopper. Picks up right where we left off in the last episode of uh, the first season. So Captain Carter and Black Widow are trying to fight off the Hydra Stopper. They do fail. They go back to S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Hydra Stopper tracks them down and tries to take out Bucky. So in this timeline, because Bucky never falls, he never gets retrieved by the Russians and he never gets used as the Winter Soldier. So he just normally becomes a assuming Secretary of State or the Code Secretary. Bards, but he doesn't look like he has a desk and takes calls. So eventually, he decides to stick up for Hydra's Dumper, you know, try to save him, and it gets away. But Peggy and Natasha reboot him, and he's back to normal. So they head to the Red Room to try to take it out. They they were in this weird little town that's filled with a bunch of animatronic people who are armed with these stingers. Same ones that um, Black Widow has. And they are just getting walloped out here. And all of a sudden, Red Room agents fall in. And they're being led by Melina, who's... Uh, if you remember the Black Widow movie, I remember it. Slightly. Uh, Melina was Black Widow's adoptive mother. She even references it in the episode. So, they end up in a massive fight. Turns out that the Hydra Stopper... Was just a guy from there. He 
get out. Uh, Peggy gets like completely banned by the shopper and taken from the main fight, while Black Widow has to hold down the entire fight with all of those uh, those other widows. She starts losing up until she uses one of those animatronic hands to just sting all the widows and incapacitate them, which I find funny considering I assume they had more training because they stayed in the red room. Like, Natasha survived like a whole bunch of those and they just like went and then fell to the ground and weren't dead or anything. But, like, she got up pretty instantly and they didn't. So she ends up fighting her adopted mother who is absolutely walloping her. She doesn't stand a chance. And Peggy tries to reason with uh, Steve. I'd assume I could call him Steve now. And he has a change of heart, just like Bucky. And he decides to take down the Red Room and brings Molina with him. It blows up. We don't know what happens. But as referenced by uh, Peggy Carter, he is apparently alive and she wants to find that's not where it ends, though. Ha -ha. All right. You want to stop there or you want to keep going? You, you can take over. Well, uh, what I want to say is this was also a, a stack cast. This was Haley Atwell, Lake Bell, Frank Rillo, Josh Keaton, Sebastian Stan, Elizabeth Olsen. You know, we're going to talk about her. She shows up. Um, also, um, Samuel L. Jackson was in this one, too, right? Was he in this episode? Yeah. yeah. I think he was in this episode. Yeah, we so didn't write his name down there. Episode, Go ahead. episode eight. Well, well, before you get to episode eight, okay, oh. so wait a minute. All right, so talk about what you have here regarding the 1602 universe. Can so, you talk about that? The ending where Peggy uh, yes. is looking for Steve? So, Peggy is about to go look for Steve. You know, she steals um, Tony Stark's car. Black Widow's like, hey, you know, I'll come with you. And then all of a sudden, a wormhole opens up the floor beneath her, and the watcher's like, the heck is this? And then she Falls right through into a new universe. Yeah. Where we see Wanda. By the way, the cracks were like reddish pink, which is the color of her magic. And we see Wanda and what looks like a Nick Fury. And he's like, Is this the one that's supposed to save us? And she says, Yes. So, what does this mean? Episode 8 The Avengers Assembled in 1602. Let me prepare my notes. So, 1602, this is not us. Reviewing the actual episode, this because is just it like dropped, it hasn't we come out it. yet. These are just my theories and speculations for what's next to come. Okay. So, sixteen oh two was an eight-part comic series written by Neil Gaiman. You might recognize him from classics like Sandman or old old stuff like Coraline and Good Omens, uh, that kind of thing. It was a comic book run back back. I don't know when sixteen oh two. The Watcher, Doctor Strange, Black Widow, Nick Fury, Clea, and the Fantastic Four are all important runners in the series. Spidey, Daredevil, and Doctor Doom also make appearances. And the premise of this is a timeline where modern superheroes are introduced to the timeline four centuries earlier than they should, and they work together to figure out what's going on with their world. So here's my question: Why were Scarlet and Fury seeking help? went to do some research. I don't really have an answer to the question yet. But what I did find out is that the main character of tonight's episode, Kaori, actually appears in two other episodes, one of which is the 1602 crossover. Very interesting. Okay. And the finale is actually what if Steven, Steven, 
What if Supreme Strange intervened? Okay, so now let's step a little bit. So we, so apparently the names of all the episodes are out there on the internet. You're yeah. able to find the titles, right? And you found the title for episode eight. It's even on the fandom. Is it? Okay. So the title for episode eight is What If the Avengers Assembled in 1602? Yeah, episode right. seven is going to be What If Hella Found the Ten Rings. Okay, right. So let's take, stick with uh, 1602. And this apparently this is based on the Marvel series that was written by Neil Gaiman. Yeah. Okay. Um, do you remember when he wrote it? Or Okay. 1602. All right. All right. We'll, we'll look that up. Okay. Well, that's very interesting. Okay. No, you're going to have to bear me out here. Okay. All right. So we don't know for sure. No, no, we don't know for sure. We didn't see the episode, but it makes sense to me. 1602. I'm very interested. Yeah, they were very old time. Yeah, I'm very interested to find out what happened in 1602. Yeah, I was just sitting in the Chick fil A line. By the way, shout out to my local Chick fil A. You're always so nice when we go to the And the food is always busted. Uh, came out in 2003, by the way. So, 2003, okay. Very nice. So, yeah. All right. I was uh, just sitting in the AAA line, and I'm like, oh, my God, I need to call Dad. Okay, thank you. Okay. Like, because Dad right. was not there. All right. Um, I want to go back. There are a couple of things that I, I missed over for a couple of the episodes. So, Happy Hogan. We want to give a you know talk about Sam Rockwell's performance as Justin Hammer. Oh, he was yes. in Iron Man two, right? Yeah, he was, I'll be uh, honest with you. I only saw Iron Man two once. I didn't even know he was in it. I didn't remember. Him so in the film. you would explain? Yeah, please. Yeah. yeah, his character was Justin Hammer. He was trying to be the uh, the rival of Tony Stark, even richer, but he wasn't, and he wanted revenge. So he hired Whiplash to take out Tony Stark. Wow. He fails and he gets put in jail. Okay, all right, and he is actually playing. Oh, by the way, Whiplash betrays him. Oh, really? So does I he... think it has something to do with the bird? Does Hammer survive Iron Man Two? Yeah, I think he survives. And he went probably to prison. Like jail. Okay, gotcha. Right. All right. So in this, what if he's actually playing the character of Hans Gruber, going back to Die Hard? Um, who was played by Alan Rickman, he was the baddie in, in, in the film. So just wanted to say that. So I thought he did a very good job with the voice of Justin Hammer and, you know, being, telling these corny jokes. And <laughs> yeah, so, remember, when, uh, remember when Maria Hill said, oh, my leg's broken, I can't help you, and it starts walking in like the next few seconds. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. All right. And then in the episode with Peter Quill, episode two, so there was a song that was playing on uh, Hope Van Dyne's Walkman. First of all, Walkman, if you weren't born in the 80s, that's the machine that you would use. You would connect a, put a cassette player into it, and it played music. You, you know, hit the play button. You put on your headphones. That's a Walkman. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah, I wanted to just, um, you know, just mention the song. Up in the <laughs> so yes, you did. So I know Corey Hart never surrender. Shout out to Corey Hart. Okay. Who knew? Okay. All right. So let's check and see if we have any final comments. So who do we have? I see popping the popcorn. Hi, Katie. Thank you. Hello. Happy holidays. <laughs> All right. Uh, I think that's really it. Okay. All right. 
So, so let's wrap it up. Okay. And, uh, you know, Alex did say, remind me of the King of the Pistol Skull. Right. Yes, that test site. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Let's wrap it up. Okay. All right. We're wrapping it up. All right. So once again, we will be back on Sunday, the 31st. Yay. All right. We're going to cover the last four episodes of Wits. And uh, we'll take it from there. We'll see what happens. You know, yeah, drop the ball. <laughs> yes, right. Lots of apple cider. Yes, right. We're going to have a toast, you know, so that's nice. Um, so if you can join us, if you, you know, have some time, hang out with us. It will be around 7.30, 7.45, Sunday night. Um, we'll provide more details. My bedtime is null and void yeah. on that night. All right. Okay, and uh, real quick, you know, we, we are dropping some more content or other content right now. So if you not if you have not checked it out. I'm stretching. All right, all right okay, we're almost done. Um, if you haven't checked it out, Daniel Sanchez, um, Superman cosplayer, and he's more than that. But, um, we had a great time speaking with him. So his episode is available. Lamont McGee, the writer, producer, he's multi-talented. He's co-creator of Ghost Machine, a new comic book series that's coming out. Check him out. Tonight, we just dropped our 2003 wrap-up, Star Wars interview with Alex Damon from Star Wars Explained. 2023 has been a good year. It's been a good year. Yeah, yeah. Star Wars fans. Wow, 2003 was 20 years ago. 2023. Yes, I did not say 2003. I said 2023. Roll it back! I said 2023. <laughs> Okay, and then uh, we have one more, uh, Nick Milky, uh, who is uh, from Force Connect um, and the Star Wars Network. We also had the pleasure. Yes, we also had the pleasure of speaking with him. His interview will be dropping in the next few days as well. So, still a lot going on in the last few days of the year, but we will see you again uh, on the live stream on Sunday. So, uh, we hope you can join us. All right, Keith, where can people find? All right. Well, Go thank to you, sleep. Everyone. It's late. You can find us in the morning. All right. Okay. Well, thank you so much, everyone. <laughs> I'm you, just kidding. Yeah. You can find us wherever you get your podcast, social space, Twitter, and Instagram at Fathers and Galaxy website, fathersandgalaxy.com. Our merch store is fathersandgalaxy.myfriendshop.com. So check that out. We got some nice warm merch. Order now for the new year. Uh, check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash fathersandgalaxy. Please donate. Okay, right. because <laughs> Japan, Japan, twenty twenty-five. Okay, all right. So Alex has a question. What are we most excited for from Marvel in twenty twenty-four? Deadpool. I know. It's, I can't well, see that. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, the only stuff coming out of Marvel feels like it's the stuff I can't see, like Echo and Deadpool three. Um. Well, we 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 also have Agatha. I, well, I need to know more about it. But are I you? Look. Are you excited? All right, so the question is what I'm most excited for. I think. You know, what are I you get most the excited for? was the babysitter for the Fantastic Four's kids. I feel like we have so many characters that are tied to the Fantastic Four who just don't in the MCU. Okay. What are you most excited for for 2024 on the Marvel side? How about uh, Madam Web? You did see that, right? That's still oh, Marvel. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that counts as Marvel. Marvel. 
I don't know. I, I don't know what to tell you. Adam uh, Webb. I, I, to be honest with you, Alex is not. Doesn't seem like there's a lot going on next year for Marvel, which um, is good. I think they need to slow down and make sure that all their content is 100. percent Oh, what about Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur? Yes. Yes. Right. All right. There we go. That's Moon what Girl. I'm excited for. Yes. yes we're excited for Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. I need to know what happened after the finale. Yes. Oh, that was a great finale too. Yeah. So, all right. But that's it for us. Deadpool for me. Moon Girl for you. Oh, but I I think I might be able to watch it on YouTube with all the blood and gore cut out. Well, no, we're we're gonna figure something out. We'll we'll figure something out. We're gonna call up people at Marvel and ask them to put together a PG thirteen um a PG thirteen oh, really? version. That's just a nice for birthday you, gift for me. Just for you. We're gonna ask Marvel to create a PG thirteen version of Deadpool Three. All right. So don't worry, we'll, we'll oh, take care that's of that. A nice little birthday. Yeah, it'll be a birthday gift, right? Guys, I'm 12 now. Yeah. Congratulations, right? You just celebrated a birthday last week. Yeah. All right. Okay. I remember my birthday last year, okay. last year, how much fun that was. Yeah, it was fun this year too, wasn't it? I didn't do a birthday last Okay, year. all right. I was just saying that it yeah. was fun because of Spider-Verse. Yeah, okay, right. But you did have things to do on your birthday this past weekend, right? Yeah, at a birthday party, yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. I'm you just saying. It sound like you didn't do not, anything. Like it's it, not a bad. I I'm just, just reminiscing on the good old days. The good old days. Okay. Yes. All right. All right. Is that it? Until mm-hmm. Sunday. You have anything else? Go to sleep, everybody. All right. Thank you so much, everyone, for Go joining us. We hope to see you on Sunday. All right. So until next time, take care. And, and we will see, see you again. again.